Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. My name is Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune, is uh, with me here on Facebook Live and uh, later if you're listening on the Hot Lava Podcast. Padres took game one, their fourth walk-off in 18 games, beat the Rockies 1-0 in the opener of their series last night. They're back home for a 10-game homestand. Two games remaining against the Rockies, who came here as the team trailing them. Now, technically, the Giants moved into third place behind the Padres. Jay, talk to us about the significance and where the Padres are at with 17 games remaining in the season. Kevin, good morning. Always good, good morning. to uh, always good to see you. The Padres also took two out of three in Oakland over the weekend. Eh, yeah, that's right. Seems like a long time ago, but a lot of things seem like a long time ago these uh, these days. Anyway, the Padres are 26 and 17 right now. They have the second best record in the National League. Of course, as everyone knows, the best record happens to be owned by the team that's right in front of them. The Dodgers are four ahead, five in the cliche all important loss column which really is important because that's what it ends up getting decided on. You can make up wins. uh, You can't make up losses. So that's why the loss column is more important. The Giants and Rockies both have 21 losses uh, right now. The Giants have one more win, 21 to 20. So technically, Padres with a a four-and-a-half game lead over the Giants, five games over the Rockies. And I don't think it's too soon. In fact, I've kind of toyed with when we should start putting this on our stories. It's not too soon to talk magic number, Kevin. Yes, that's what you I was, know? okay. Magic so number, there. it's not. Tell them, tell them the number. It's close. I mean, the Giants, the most, the Giants and the Rockies can win 39 games. That's the best they can do right now is get to 39. The Padres are at 26. 39 minus 26 is 13. That clinches a tie. So the magic number is 14 right now with 17 games remaining. The Padres are in a great position at this point with that magic number. Now you can also look at it the other way. The most wins that the Padres can get to is 43. The Dodgers are at 30. And math, not always my strong suit, but the Dodgers magic number also 14. Uh, in term, So that's that's where the Padres are. Just as close right now to first place as they are to third place. I think most of us would agree it's much more likely that they are not going to catch the Dodgers at this point. I know they have the three games next week. And let's face it, that's not the most important thing. Yeah, you want to win the division. But this year, especially more than any other, it it means even less because you're probably not going to have any sort of home field advantage except in the first round. Maybe. And right now the Padres would have home field advantage in the first round. So here's the deal. Second place team. So the biggest thing is get into the playoffs. Once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So here's the deal. One of them is going to finish and we're going with the Dodgers, but one of them is going to finish as the number one seed. And the other one would be the number four seed, which means they're going to meet in that second series anyway. Assuming there's no upset. Now, of course, if you finish as the one seed, you're going to get to play a worse team in the first round. Yes. So there is a benefit uh, to that. I think right now the Padres would play the Phillies. I believe the the yes. Dodgers right now would actually play the Giants. Um, I think the Giants would sneak in as the eighth team right now. So yeah, that would be an advantage. No, it's the Marlins. Like, it's the Marlins. Is, is it the Marlins? Okay. But either way, I, I just think don't put too much. I, I just think there's, there's not a reason to put that much emphasis no. on the division title 
this year. Look, the Padres won division titles a few years. Well, I guess it was more than a few years ago. And what do we remember about those years? We remember that they won one playoff game in, in two years. So the biggest thing is what happens after they get into the playoffs. And, and I think the Padres, as I said, are in good position right now to do that. And if they continue to play well this week um, and, and put up, you know, let's face it, four or five wins uh, in these remaining games, and even if they even if they split with these teams, that keeps things pretty steady in terms of power and time would really be running out on uh, on the Rockies and the Giants chasing immensely significant to me. Now I don't know if this then plays in the in the playoffs. Um, have never covered a playoff team. Uh, I've just watched them on TV. Uh, but the starting pitching, the starting pitching by and large, and I'm talking about the five main starters, and they finally have five starters has gotten to a point where it's not putting immense pressure on the bullpen night in and night out. The last two games, the, uh, or I shouldn't say, yes, the last two, the, mm-hmm. or three of the last four, something like, anyway, the starter has gone seven innings. The relievers have had to come in and go just two innings. And you got, that's manageable. The fact that it's been Drew Pomeranz and uh, uh, Trevor Rosenthal the last two games. Okay. But the fact that these guys aren't having to go five innings uh, or even four and a third or four right. every night is big. Now, when you get to the playoffs, you're going to start piecing it together more, and that's a whole other animal. But I just think that it's significant to me right now that the Padres starters, and you got Mike Clevenger going tonight as we record this on, on Tuesday. Uh, that's the big turnaround. It's something they've been talking about all season. It probably happened two or three weeks later than they thought it would and hoped it would. But to me, that's a significant part of where they're at in this season. And of course, other than the fact that Mitch Moreland will now be playing every day, probably. (laughs) Well, I also think let's deal with the pitching real quick first. Um, The, I mean, let's face it. Their fifth starter right now is Chris Paddock. Yes. Um, Two starts ago, he was very good. His last start, he wasn't as good, but the other guys have all, have all pitched well. You know, Garrett Richards on Sunday was excellent. Davies on Friday pitched really well. He's pitched well all season. I think he had one one start where he wasn't great, uh, maybe against the Rockies where he's victimized by an error and then a grand slam. Um, you know, last night you talked about piecing together games in the playoffs. You don't have to piece anything together. I mean, they, you know, you just let him go and, I don't know if he would have gone out there for the eighth inning if it was the playoffs and you had both Pomerantz and Rosenthal ready. But look, they let him go last night. He went seven and two thirds, and he was fantastic. I mean, that was the Denelson Lamette when we've and we've seen yeah. that before. I mean, he's when he's on, he that's how he pitches, and he looks really strong. And the other thing about about setting up the rotation a little bit, if they can, if they can just continue to play well and keep this distance between them and the um, Rockies and the Giants, you can start to line up your rotation for the playoffs. And I was doing this in my head the other day. Clevenger uh, pitches today, which is the eighth. And this is not with looking at the schedule and everything, but if you went every five days off of of that, you'd go 8, 13, 18, 23, and 28. And the playoffs, as far as I know, I think they start on the 29th. So he would be right there. Lamette would be there as well. I mean, 27th. You'd have those two guys ready for your first couple games. Uh, Zach Davies for game three or maybe Garrett Richards. I mean, we'll see how the last few weeks go. But right now, you would certainly think Lamette and Clevenger, Clevenger and Lamette 
would be the guys that you would want in the first two games. And they're pretty much on target right now to pitch um, on the, you know, on the 29th. This is exactly what the Padres talked about is too, is the upside of that schedule at the start of the season is they play eight games in 11 days at the end of the season. They can do whatever they want (laughs) provided they're not trying to play to make the playoffs, you know, fighting for that number eight seed or something. Uh, But Absolutely, Jay. Uh, that is a All great right. point. Now, listen, now, the Rockies' offense is broken, though. So let's, yeah. you know, I also, they're going to be playing better teams, uh, presumably, in the playoffs. But you're, you're right about Denilson Lamette. Now, you want to talk about your favorite player? Well, my, <laughs> there, there are several, of course. <laughs> um, but look, you know, Eric Hosmer, for all the criticism he's drawn, and most of which he deserved, I think anybody would, you, even you would admit, the first couple of years, not <laughs> not as productive as the Padres would have wanted, especially with that contract. This year, that I will was admit. A, this year was having a very very good year, very meaningful to the Padres in the middle of that lineup. And last night was a you know the kind of thing that you're always hoping to avoid is that big injury. They had it with Tommy Pham, who wasn't terribly productive, but you would have expected more. Now it's happened to Eric Hosmer, who has been productive. You know, we can look past whether he should have been bunting, not bunting in that situation. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of it, but he, you know, he, he did what he did and it was unfortunate what happened. And it's really unfortunate for, you know, for this, his teammates now to be without him. And I know Profar said after the game, Hey, we'll have him, we'll have him around. We'll have his energy and, and all that sort of thing. But, you know, you'd much rather have his bat and his glove. And that brings us to Mitch Moreland and, Look, Mitch Moreland is a veteran player. He's been around a long time. He's produced a lot. I don't think anybody should be writing off Mitch Moreland based on 20 at-bats or whatever it is that he's had so far. But we should also say he has not looked good since he got here. He's had, he had one game with two hits. He's gone hitless the rest of the time. And it doesn't, you know, at times when guys like Pham and Profar were really struggling, they were still hitting the ball pretty well. They were competitive like at-bats. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like yeah. you're, you're seeing that right now from Mitch Moreland. Look, he he was going to regress off of the numbers that he had in Boston. There was no way he was going to keep that up. The question is, at what point does he sort of bottom out? You know, he goes through the slump to bring his numbers maybe back to the mean a little bit. At what point does he bottom out, turn it around, and then get back to the guy who throughout his career has really crushed left-handers? So, Kevin, uh, when does that happen? Tell us. <laughs> crushed right-handers. Um, but he's two for 19, as you mentioned. Both those hits came in the same game. He looks like he's swinging underwater, and the pitcher is is throwing at the wind at his back. That's what it looks like. Um, but the fact, are, fact is he's, he's having a great season. And a week ago, if Eric Hosmer got hurt, so before he went two for 19 here, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, A.J. Preller's a genius. Look what he did. Uh, he must see the future. He got Mitch Moreland for when Eric Hosmer gets hurt. And they came in, and they, maybe this was for Mitch Moreland's benefit, but they said they were going to have him be their primary DH and go against both righties and lefties. Well, that clearly was not the case. So I don't know right. what they're going to do now. Uh, it, it's different if Luis Camposano hadn't gone down for uh, with the, the – wrist sprain uh is it going to be uh jorge onya uh is it going to be uh, yonder alonso that comes up of course he hits from the left side and you know what there's a reason he wasn't on the roster i think that's oh, i can't believe you just mentioned i can't believe you just mentioned that name 
But I do you know they're, they're down to that's the thing. Um, they traded away some people, paired down cool. to a certain, uh, you know, a finite number of moves that they can make. They'll be juggling it. Is it Jerks and Propar comes in to play second base and, uh, you know, the Crone zone moves over to first base? They're, they're, they have options, but. Yeah. They're, they got a, they got a hole. They got a hole defensively because Eric Hosmer was playing his, you know, I didn't watch him every day in Kansas City, but he was playing uh, an old uh, style of defense versus what he played in 2019 uh, and even 18. Uh, so there, and there's it's a hole in the lineup because not only is he clutch, he actually his numbers and especially here uh, in the last uh, few weeks were really good. Yeah, and this is where, and you know, the trades were made. Uh, for a reason and they acquired guys that they needed. Uh, you'd love to have Ty France back right now, but you know, you wouldn't have Austin Nola in that situation. And we'd be talking about, you know, there's a hole at the catching uh, position, you know, Josh Naylor, you know, maybe you'd like to have him back if he would produce more than, than Moreland at this point, you're not sure that again, both lefties right now, there's a real hole there because I mean, I'm looking at the roster. There's really no depth. Uh, in terms of especially right-handed hitting. I mean, you look, you have Onya, who's, you know, never played, I don't think he's ever had an at-bat above double-A before last night. You know, even Campusano would have been nice to have him, but same same situation with a guy who hadn't hadn't played up here. Mateo, you know, he's not a bat. He can run. We've seen that. Um, But I don't think he's a guy that you want to have. So, but maybe he ends. Maybe he ends up playing because you need the defense. And if you need to put Cronenworth at first and Profar at second and Mateo in the outfield, maybe that's better than having Moreland and Cronenworth and Profar. Uh, again, then you're still short of the DH. So I'm not sure. I mean, I, I I was hoping you would provide me all these answers as to how they're going to fill this hole. But I don't see I don't see a bat coming in at this point. Um, that's really going to sort of fix things right now. I, and I guess, and this isn't, I, I can't believe I'm even bringing this up, but is there any chance Francisco Mejia is healthy enough to, to play and even more important contribute? Supposedly uh, he might be broken as well. Uh, it certainly looked like it earlier in the season and right. the, the plan now look, this changes, uh, it could potentially change a lot of things. But and where he's pressed into action and they feel like he's their best option because even when he's broken with that swing, that guy can run into anything, right? Yeah. Uh, he can yeah. hit a ball off the ground uh, out, out of the park. So I don't know. But as of yesterday, um, no, Francisco Mejia was not close to returning to the major league squad. Uh, and and- the other guy, I was going to say the other guy we didn't mention is Greg Garcia. Um, but we saw last night, I mean, I think we saw last night why – they don't start Greg Garcia very much is because they would prefer to put him in the position where he came in last night in a clutch situation and delivered, you know, a hit that, that led to a victory. So, uh, you know, he's another guy that you could factor, uh, that you could factor in there. Good, uh, sure. Right. Again, it's, again another it's another left-handed, yeah. another left-handed bat. They're really, you know, what are they going to do for a right-handed bat at this point? That was a, uh... That was the issue last week when I was looking at their roster in comparison to the Dodgers. Wow, that's a real nice starting nine, Padres. The best you've had in some time. But your right. your bench does not match up. They 
in a situation like last night, and I wrote about it in the newsletter today, that was super impressive. In the right situation, tie game in the ninth inning, get Greg Garcia up against the right-hander, and then put yeah. Onya, the fastest guy in baseball, they're somewhat faster. My goodness, uh, that person would be a blur. Uh, Mateo. That's, Mateo. That's, or Mateo, sorry. Yeah. Or Mateo. Uh, that's fantastic, but you don't have – both sides of the plate, any situation, guy who could start, you, you're, you know, I'm asking for the sky. I'm asking you for you to be the Dodgers. Uh, but that was their weakness. And especially when they got rid of Ty France. But like you said, I mean, we're not going to second guess that because uh, any good trade is going to be painful. It just is. Right. And, and, you know, I guess, you know, you also have the other option of, of um, Castro and, Nola both being in the lineup, although then yeah. you have to have you 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 need to have a you need a third catcher in that situation, and the and Torrens was traded and Hedges was traded and Mejia's on the DL, so uh, that might not that might not be an answer, and that's even if you thought Jason Castro would be an improvement, uh, and I'm not sure that in in that situation that you want Jason Castro playing every day. So no, there's no question there's a there's a hole and and. Boy, just think, we've said this several times during the year, but where where would they be without Cronenworth and the <laughs> idea, that Cronenworth guy and the idea of having him to be able to fill in um, at second or first if that's what's needed. I mean, he showed that he was he could play the position defensively, uh, you know, as well. So uh, it's it's a question. And, and the other question is, how long is Hosmer going to be out? And I know you'll be checking on this as the day goes on to see – what else you can find out about the injury and what, you know, an expert or two has to say about when you do break a finger like that, what is the healing period? You know, uh, Jace Tingler, as you would expect right after the game last night, very nonspecific in terms of two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. Well, the playoffs start in three weeks. And does three weeks mean, you know, two weeks, four weeks mean that's when he's first able to start hitting? Uh, you know, what does that mean for when he can actually – start playing. So I, I know this, I would not count on Eric Hosmer for the first, and I, you, I'd be happy to have him prove me wrong, but a broken finger, you know, in a game where you're swinging the bat like that, it seems like they may have to go at least the first round of the playoffs um, without and Hosmer. But and since that's a bet to three, you know. Yeah, total speculation, but I, that would mean he would be have to come back in three weeks and be able to be, you know, close to 100% to be playing uh, to be ready for the start of the playoffs. And that, it seems to be asking a lot for, uh, you know, for a broken finger. Uh, indeed. I would think that that is the initial thought, that they're going to talk brave. And But that, that's the, the playoffs are closing. And it was, uh, as I contemplated their depth and Mitch Moreland, uh, it, was, it was just, I was thinking, man, they need Hosmer to stay healthy. They, you know, this thing is very fragile, and uh, I did not think that he'd get hurt on a bunt. Yeah, well, we did. I want to talk about something in a minute. We did leave one guy out, um, and you wrote about him the other day, Tommy Pham. And obviously, if talk about a right-handed bat, if Tommy Pham comes back, now you can you can put him in the outfield or even use the DH, DH. Uh, in, in that situation. What's realistic to expect from what you from what you heard about Pham? And, you know, when do you think we might see him when he says he might be when Tingler says, I'm hopeful to have him back. Does that mean I'm hopeful to have him back for the postseason or do you think it might even be sooner? 
to the the best case would be to get a week of at bats up here. Uh, uh-huh. Tommy Fam, you know, Tommy Fam could go over to USD and get uh, twenty four at bats in a day uh, <laughs> at USD because you know everyone else would get twelve, he'll get twenty four. Um, but I, that's the best case probably. Mm-hmm. Now, look, this guy came off having COVID and came to summer camp and was raking the ball all over the place, hitting the ball, right. you know, 110 miles an hour. So I don't know that we should have any expectations about what it is that's possible from Tommy Pham, but he's not even really swinging a bat. He's lightly swinging. He's hitting off a tee. He's carrying that bat around all the time, trying to strengthen his grip. So it's not like he's going to start taking BP today. Now I say that and Tommy Pham, I'll get to the park today and Tommy Pham will be uh, taking BP. But <laughs> that's not my understanding. We're looking at uh, a, a week. Now everything's accelerated here and it, my understanding is that the bone can be healed by now that the, with the hammock, that he can be healed. We're now talking about his ability to grip the bat and to the pain tolerance, because this is an injury that is, you know, six weeks. And that's not the time frame we're talking about right now. He's yeah. less than a month. He's three and a half weeks out right now. Well, just don't let him start bunting because we saw enough of that last night, not just with Hosmer, but with Trent Grisham bunting with two on and nobody out. Not a fan of that move uh, at all and in that situation where you've got a guy facing a right. The one thing if he was facing a lefty, but Grisham facing a righty, swinging the bat as well as he's been swinging, not a fan of that uh, move. They ended up getting the runners over and they didn't get him in anyway, but still did not like that. Also, one other thing didn't like was Manny Machado hitting fourth the other day, which I don't think we'll see again, just because there's I don't think there's anybody else you want in the top three uh, right now other than Grisham, Tatis, and uh, Machado. But didn't make any sense to have to Machado that low in the uh, in the order. So yeah, and that two things I that wanted a, to know. <clears throat> that might have been a day we didn't get Jace before the game, and then I didn't uh, ask, yeah. but. That, that you you're correct. I don't get too much into the whole batting order thing. I don't There's a lot of times either. where it works out, but Manny Machado is too good of a hitter this year that mm-hmm. you would that you would do that. Yeah, I mean, I know that it was like they went left, right, left, right, but but, just, but out of the blue, that's not something right. they've been doing. Exactly, and you just Tatis and Machado need to be hitting in the top three spots if you want to have Grisham leading off, especially against righties. I, you know, that's fine, but you can't have guys like Tatis and Machado hitting uh, hitting any lower than, than two, and three. And speaking of which, the Padres, I don't think, they don't anticipate facing a lefty for a while. So maybe that's good news for them since now suddenly, unlike, uh, you know, recent years, they, yeah. <laughs> they're incredibly left-handed heavy. Uh, you know, Mitch Moreland was going to be the DH for a while here anyway because they are facing righties coming up. Well, they could still do that. And, I mean, you know, you could still have Cronenworth play first. Garcia could play second. Mm-hmm. And Profar stays in left and Moreland DHs. Or, you know, Moreland first, Cronenworth second. Profar stays in the outfield. And and maybe Garcia is the DH. Um, They've done that a few that times. Point. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's just, a, you know, there's certain – and maybe it's it depends on matchups and all that, uh, all that sort of thing. But it's uh, – they are they are being tested a little bit more in their depth than I'm sure they wanted to. Uh, without you know, you think about it, they've lost Fam, they've lost Hosmer, they've lost Kirby Yates. Um, you know, that's three guys right there. <laughs> if we had said at the start of the year you're going to be missing those three guys, you would have thought 
there's no way this team's going to be, you know, closing in on a playoff spot this early, uh, this early on. So they've, they've, they've managed well so far. And, and look, the competition they're facing is not the, it's not the toughest in the world. I mean, the Rockies aren't great. The Giants aren't great. Uh, they've got the three games with the Dodgers. They still get to play the Mariners and the Angels. Um, I think what three with Seattle and two more with the, uh, with the Angels. So uh, it really seems like they should be able to, uh, to get by here over these, uh, over these last three weeks. That's uh, I think that's the hope. And along with hoping that Eric Hosmer is back for the playoffs, that's their hope. Right. So there uh, we go. What else do we have going on? Two more with the Rockies. Clevenger. Four against the Giants. Clevenger tonight. Zach back to Davies the ace. Tomorrow. Yeah, back to the ace, Zach Davies. That's right, the ace, Zach Davies. And then everybody but Davies will pitch against the Giants over the weekend, and that would leave Davies to pitch against the Dodgers uh, next Monday. But we'll come back, uh, what, I guess on Thursday, right, Kevin? Get into the uh, Giants series and talk about what happened the last couple nights and at least at least what was done with the lineup and everything uh even over these next couple nights and and also how Clevenger pitched in his uh, Petco debut tonight. I'm excited. I am. All right, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Thanks, everyone.